Je luistert naar een boodschap van C3 Church Amsterdam en Almere. Wij zijn een kerk van geloof, hoop en liefde. Voor meer informatie over onze kerk kun je terecht op onze website c3amsterdam.nl of c3almere.nl Wij geloven dat deze boodschap jou vandaag zal bemoedigen, inspireren en bekrachtigen. So good to see you in church. Y'all ready? So looking forward to this service. Well, let's let's dedicate it to God. Let's let's close our eyes. If you, if you want to stretch out your hands, go for it. But open your heart, because I'm confident that God wants to do something right here today. I'm confident that He has a word for you specifically. Spirit, thank you that you're here. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power, for your rest, for your peace. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're near, that we can stand in your presence. Jesus, we're so thankful because of what you did, that we can stand in your presence can hear you, we can accept your love, we can accept your grace. Thank you, God, that in your presence there's freedom, that in your presence there's peace, that in your presence is the fullness of joy. We don't have to go look for it somewhere inside us. Thank you, God, that you are a God who doesn't let us sort out ourselves. But you are a God who is right here with us in the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our joy, in the middle of our chaos. Thank you that you're within reach. We honor you. We worship you. You deserve it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him a great hand. Thanks, band. You've been amazing. Really good worship. Thanks, Gio. <laughs> We've got Indonesian power today. <laughs> We've got a, a bit of Indo energy today. Literally, like the, the Dutch service lead, Pastor Raymond, my wife. It's like full-on Indo today. <laughs> Bring up the food. <laughs> I'm going to serve you up some spiritual food. <laughs> oh, some people are disappointed. What's that about? <laughs> You can go out for food later. <laughs> so good to see you here. Pastor Steve sends his regards. He's in, um, he's in Sydney right now, or somewhere around Sydney, preaching in uh, C3 Thrall with Pastor Brendan Elliott, who was here last year with us at New Year's Day. Um, and, 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 and he and, and Pastor David and Johan are in, uh, in, in Sydney for Presence Conference, which is happening this week. Uh, you, you might have seen the clip. Um, my wife just talked about it briefly. 
And um, it's, it's basically our global conference um, where all uh, people from all over the world come to Sydney to, to get training, to get equipped, um, to hear from God uh, together and to worship God together. So, it's, so you can imagine um, it's, it's what you felt here today, this morning, times a, a lot because there's so many people and, um, and people come with, with a lot of sacrifice. You know, they pay a lot to, to get to Australia because it's in the middle of nowhere. Sorry, uh, Levi. <laughs> so far away. And, um, uh, but it's good. So we understand that you can't make it. We're not going either. Uh, we didn't book a last minute uh, trip leaving today. Um, but you can watch it online. So if you go to presenceconference.com, uh, they're streaming, I think, most of the conference, at least the, the, the evening sessions. Um, and, and make sure that you, you get some and that you watch some because uh, it'll build you up. It's, it's a lot better than watching another Netflix series. You can do that next week as well. Um, <laughs> um, we're, doing, we're doing, actually, we're organizing a, a, a presence party on Wednesday. Um, so we're, you know, eating together, watching presence together. So that'll be good. If you have time... Try to make sure that you go to one or organize one, or at least watch. That's going to be good. So that's the ads. On to the message. I'm, I'm so excited about this series. This series has been so good. This is the, so we did a series. It's, it's a nine-week series consisting of a three mini-series of three episodes. Do you still, do you still get it? So it's sort of three seasons, three seasons of Stronger. Uh, three episodes per season, and this is the, the final episode of the second season, uh, Stronger in Who I Am. And um, uh, the last weeks have been amazing. If you, if you didn't get to hear the messages, make sure that you listen to the podcast, because uh, Pastor Peter preached on a transformation. There was such an incredible uh, message. And Pastor Steve preached about suffering, and who knows that that's a relevant uh, topic to, to understand uh, why is there suffering in the world and how... How can God work through me? How can I become stronger through suffering? Um, and there's so many different opinions out there. I think it's really good to, to understand what the Bible says. So make sure that you um, listen to that one online. And today we're going to talk about being saved, being born again. So I've called this message Saved and Stronger. Um, saved and Stronger. So we'll look at the topic of being saved. Um, and I think it's, it's really important for us to understand how God works uh, who God is, because if we know who God is and how he works, if we're made in his image, uh, that means that we understand ourselves better. Um, we equip ourselves by knowing who God is. And one of the, the things that Paul often prays for when, he, when you read his uh, letters to all the churches, he doesn't pray a lot for, for, for things that, that we should pray about, like healing and provision. But you can always read that his prayer for his churches is that people grow in, in the knowledge and understanding and revelation of who God is. So that means it's actually really important for us to make an effort uh, to understand who God is. And, um, and being saved is such a, such a thing, such a pivotal thing in our Christianity, uh, salvation, uh, that it's really good to understand it. So we'll look at um, um, two questions today. Uh, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Um, just trying to get the basis clear. And the second question uh, that, that we'll try to answer is, how does being saved make me stronger? Or the question, how I phrased it is, what are we born into? 
And, and that sort of answer, that question answers the question, how does being saved make me stronger? And I, I remember when I first got saved, uh, it was 10, 11 years ago um, at a youth conference, uh, David Spronk was praying for me, and uh, I could really feel the grace of God uh, washing, uh, washing away all the things that stood between me and God. And um, so I love talking about um, what was the first experience that you had when you came to Christ. I love asking that question. And um, we ask this question to our Connect group as well, and you get so many different answers. Uh, people, some people say they, they feel strength or power. Uh, some people feel peace or rest. Uh, some people say they feel joy. Uh, and for me, the, that feeling was grace. I, felt, I really felt the grace of God that first time. Um, and, and you have your own story. You have your own experience uh, in God's presence. Um, uh, but then uh, life happens. <laughs> sort of life goes on. And you, you move from the place where you've been saved and sort of life goes on. You go, you go along, you go to work, you go to school, you do all your other stuff. And somewhere you know that you've been made free from sin, but your experience is that you still sin. Um, so how does that work? So we'll look at that today as well, right? So that's good. And we'll, we're basing this whole series out of First uh, Peter, so we're looking at First Peter today as well. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn to First Peter 1, or you can look at the screen. And it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So that's a mouthful, right? <laughs> that's a lot of... A lot of stuff and information in just three verses. Um, so we'll, we'll sort of unpack that today. Um, and what it starts with, um, what it always starts with, our walk with God starts at the moment that we surrender to God. When we say, okay, God, I'm, I want to follow you for the rest of my days. I, I don't want to do this thing on my own again. I don't want to live my own life. I don't want to follow my own desires. But God, I choose to follow you. And that's the moment uh, we get saved. So what does it actually mean to be saved? We'll look at different stages of salvation today. So in order to, be, to answer the question, what does it actually mean to be saved? What does being born again entail? Um, we have to look at three stages of salvation. Um, and the first one uh, we call justification. Justification. Um, that is the, this is the, the type of salvation that happens once. And it restores our position in Christ. So we're saved, we're made free of our sin, um, and we're just uh, justified. We're just in, in God's sight. And um, what I want to I just take away uh, some uh, presumpt presumptions that a, a lot of people have uh, about being justified. Because uh, we needed a savior. We needed to be saved. Uh, and, and there's a, an image or a, a, a stream of Christianity going around. It's been going around for, for hundreds of years, uh, basically saying that God is angry. And God is angry, so he wants to punish you. Um, and he's, he's sort of the angry judge who wants to punish you for all the sin that you've committed, uh, and, and you have to pay for your sins. Uh, but because you can't pay, uh, he sent Jesus, and Jesus took all the punishment. But that, that sort of gives, I think, a, a distorted view of God, 
Because if God is angry, and, and, and he, he, he unleashed his anger uh, on Jesus, that says something about his character. And if I look at the Bible, um, actually one of the most well-known scriptures is, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. So if God is a God of love, and he loves us, and he wants to be in a relationship with us, he wants uh, to, to know us, and he, he wants us to know him, um, uh, that's sort of a completely different image than God being angry and wanting to punish us, right? So uh, what we believe is that uh, through our rebellion, through our act of, of sin, um, there was a gap between us and God, and, and someone needed to bridge it. And because we can't, uh, God did by sending Jesus. And, and that gives a, a, a bit of a different image uh, because there was a gap. And if we want to live in harmony with God, uh, the gap needed to be bridged. Uh, and we couldn't do it. So it, Paul says in Ephesians, uh, uh, Ephesians 2, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So actually what the Bible says is that you're justified. <laughs> Justification finds place as a gift. God gives it. Through grace, through faith. And even the faith that we have, Ephesians says, is not because we have such a great faith that God was able to save us. Ephesians actually says that um, even the faith that we have is not from ourselves. Even the, even the fact that we believe in God, even the fact that we trust in God, um, is, is actually a gift from Him to us. Um, so we can't boast in it. We can't take credit. Actually, there will never come a point uh, where you will have earned God's grace or favor by your actions. Um, nothing that God has ever done, none of the good things God has ever done in your life are because you've earned it <laughs> or because you've deserved it, because you've been such a good boy. <laughs> God is not Santa. <laughs> God is not Santa Claus uh, uh, keeping a record of all the good things that people do so that they can be uh, rewarded with salvation. That's sort of a distorted image that people have of God. That's not the case. Uh, it's a gift. God gives it to us. We can't earn it. We can't take credit. Um, and so so th this was my experience as well. When I felt the grace of God for the first time, I felt so undeserving. I didn't feel guilty anymore. I didn't feel the shame, uh, but I felt so undeserving. And that has a reason because I am undeserving. It's not because I deserve his grace that I received it. It's because he wanted to give it. Uh, God wants me to be in a relationship with him. God wants me to experience his love and his grace. Uh, God wants me to know who he is. Um, not because, it's not because of my will or my actions. So I think that's, that's really good to know that you're justified, not by your actions, but because God is good and he wants you to have it. Um, justification restores your position in Christ. So it's positional. It says something about where you're placed. And you're placed in Christ. So that means that you're with God, basically. You're with God. Um, and it's, it's past tense. We have been saved. Justified. If, if you've been justified, it actually says, says that you have been saved. It's not, um, it's not your performance review. It's not like your performance review where you, know, you sit down with your manager he, he looks at all your goals that you've set for the quarter, and he says, oh, you, did, you, you were a bit sloppy on you know, uh, reading your Bible. 
um, you didn't really preach the gospel. Uh, yeah, you didn't. Did you? I'm, I'm not quite sure if you did your tithes. Okay, I'm, I have to say that, you know, we have to going to let go of salvation now. <laughs> God is not your manager. God is, isn't doing this performance review uh, if, it, if it comes uh, to justification. So actually the Bible does talk about uh, 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 where God looks back at your life with you, uh, but it doesn't mean that you're not justified. It's a different sort of, uh, different sort of reflection on your life. It doesn't mean that you lose your position. It doesn't mean that you don't belong to God, and it doesn't mean that you don't belong to, to the family. So I think it's good to get that, that set and that clear and that the basis uh, correct. So justification is our position, and it's been done. It's finished. We've received it, right? So that's the first stage of being saved. That's the first stage of salvation. So this is the, what happens if you still work with physical notes so there's a second there's a second second stage and the second stage is sanctification so first there's justification and then there's sanctification and sanctification is is different uh, from justification because sanctification doesn't it's not a position issue um, uh, we all know uh, what we just talked about that we're free from sin that's justified being justified but that we still sin like the, we know that we don't live under sin we, we know that we're not a slave to sin we're made free of sin but um, we still sin from time to time it happens um, so th that that has to do with this uh, process of sanctification and it's a progression um, and it's the process of looking more like Christ and it actually says that we are being saved in the present so where justification talks about uh, a salvation that has happened, sanctification is a type of salvation that is currently ongoing. It's happening uh, every day. Um, and it doesn't mean that our position is unclear, it, but it lines up with our experience that how does it happen that I'm made free of sin, but I still sin. I, I still make mistakes. I still stuff up from time to time. Well, that's because you're not perfectly like Christ, right? You're not perfectly like Christ yet, I have to say. Uh, and if we're not perfectly like Christ, <laughs> that means that we stuff up from time to time because we're not perfect. None, none of us are. Um, but it's important to know how to deal with this whole process of sanctification because the goal is to eventually be like Christ. And, and we'll talk about that in the, in the last stage. But this process of sanctification basically has two camps to it. There's a camp that says it doesn't matter what you do, it's all grace. Grace, grace, grace. Uh, grace covers it all. It doesn't matter what you do. You can sin. No worries. <laughs> uh, go for it. Um, you're covered by Jesus' blood. You're saved anyway. Um, but Paul actually says in, in 1 Timothy uh, that you have to exercise yourself unto godliness. That means that you have to train to be godly. You have to try. You have to sort of work for it as well. But on the other side, there's a camp that says, you know, work, 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 uh, work, work, and discipline yourself. I had to be careful there to not start singing uh, work, <laughs> work, work. But uh, there's a camp that says you have to work for it. You have to discipline yourself. And at the same time, the same Paul is saying in, in, in Galatians 3, are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you not trying to attain your goal by human effort? 
So, so what is the answer? The answer is, is, is definitely not just all grace. The answer of, of looking more like Christ is definitely not all work, and at least not doing it by yourself. Uh, but Paul says in Philippians 2, he says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill his good purpose. Continue to work out. Continue to work out his salvation. There's two things I want to I wanna emphasize. Work out is completely different than work, work for. So don't, he doesn't say work for your salvation. He says work out your salvation. If, if you're justified, if that's the starting point, you have to work from there. You have to go with that and work with that. He doesn't say work for your salvation. Because I know this is a pitfall, right? You're saved. You've accepted Christ. Now, you, now you, you're made free of sin and then you make a mistake. You sin. And instead of going to God and asking for his grace and asking for his forgiveness, you try to make up for your mistake by doing all these good things. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to earn your position or you're trying to earn your acceptance. Or you're trying to you know, mask up by being a good Christian. And that's completely not what God is asking of us. Uh, he's not asking us to mask up. He's not asking us to do this by, by ourselves. And he's not asking us to leave it all up to him either. So work out your salvation. He says continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation. That means it's progressive. It's ongoing. Uh, it, it continues. You have to keep doing it. There's, there's not a point for no one here, and none of us, even, even Pastor Lisby, is not exempt from continuing to work out. Because we're not done yet. We're not like Christ. We're not done yet. She's close. but <laughs> She's really close. But we have to, we have to continue and, and go on. We have to go on and try to be like Christ. And actually, what he's saying here is while you work, while you're trying to do that, while you're working out your salvation, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his purpose. So whilst we are trying to be more like Christ, while we are trying to fulfill his purpose, it is God who works in us. And not just in our actions, but also in our will. So that means it's a combination of working by being obedient, by trying to do the things that he's asking of us, and yielding at the same time. Yielding our, our desires, yielding our thoughts, yielding our mistakes. Maybe that's the most difficult one. Yielding our mistakes to him so that he can work in us. Uh, in our will and in our actions. I think that's just so powerful. Um, and Peter says in Second Peter 3, uh, he says, uh, grow in the grace and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, that's really interesting, right? Because sometimes I get the feeling or I got the feeling that uh, grace is the thing that, you, that makes the way clear for salvation, um, sort of enables, the, enables salvation, enables God to work in me, and enables God to, to do things in me. Uh, and it's sort of a static thing. That's what I thought. But Paul says you can grow in it. And I found that the more that you try to work out your salvation, the more that you try to sort of be in line with God's will, I need to grow in grace. Because it's easier and easier to be really hard on myself, to be condemning myself about all the things that I mess up. And I think actually we need to grow in grace growing in the understanding of Christ, but we can grow in His grace. Um, it's not a static thing. We can actually grow in this. 
And we want to make clear, clear as well that if there's little progression, if there's just not a lot of progression, that still doesn't change your position. So if you don't succeed in becoming more like Christ for a period of time, that doesn't change your position, right? So there's a justification and then there's sanctification. And we're all in this process of being sanctified. We're all in the process of uh, being saved whilst we are saved as well. Um, then there's the third phase, and this is the final act. If justification is being made right with God in your position, so being accepted instead of being a sinner, being a child of God, uh, sanctified is becoming more like Christ, and glorification is the process of becoming like Christ. It's being with him. It's seeing him in the final act. When we see Christ, uh, we can share in his glory. First uh, Peter 5 says, In his kindness, God has called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So we get to share in his glory, which means there's, there, there will come a time where there's no sickness, there's no sin, there's no death, there's no lack, uh, because we get to share in his glory. And, and we all get to see Christ, and we all get to share in his eternal glory. So this is the final salvation, glorification. It's the moment when we see Christ. So there's three stages of salvation, justification, sanctification, and glorification. And we're all somewhere along that line, right? It's a free gift. We accept it. And then we go to work, but not just by ourselves, but we work together with God to become more and more like Christ. So that's, the, that's basically the answer to the first question. What does it mean to be saved? What does salvation actually mean? Um, that's those three things. And the second question is, how can this help me? How can I become stronger by knowing this? Um, what actually, and by, I want to answer that question by asking a different question. Um, what are we born into? Because birth always has a context. Uh, natural birth has a context. You might have been born at home or in hospital. There probably, hopefully, have been doctors of some sort uh, around, uh, family. Um, <laughs> there's a family that you're born into. There's uh, hopes and dreams that people have for you. Um, but there's always a context. Birth is, is, uh, is never just a thing that stands by itself. There's always a context to birth. And the same applies to spiritual birth. So when we are born again, there's always a context. We are born into something. Uh, we're born into a family, the family of God, uh, but we're born into a, another couple of things that Peter describes. And he says that in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection. So the first thing that we are born into is a living hope. And hope is a funny word, right? Because if you talk about hope in this world... Um, uh, if, if, if you would say, I hope I passed my exam, or I hope I got the job, or I hope he or she likes me, it's not, a, it's not an indica indication of certainty, right? It's not an indication of certainty at all. If you say that you hope for something to happen, basically you're, you're saying, it's out of my hands, it's out of my control, I can't do anything about it, and I'm not certain at all. I, I really hope this will happen. Um, uh, and a Christian hope is different. Uh, uh, and, and I'll explain in a, in a second why. Because the hope of this world, the, the, the things that people uh, put their hope in, if I would ask my questions and a lot of my colleagues, 
um, they would probably answer uh, if, if, if the question of what is your hope for the future, they would probably answer with uh, their career, maybe, maybe their wealth, uh, maybe their relationships, um, might, might be the economy, uh, might be Bitcoin, you know, so, some of my colleagues put their hope in Bitcoin, uh, and it might, be, uh, it might be the government, it might be their degree, their education, their knowledge, whatever. Um, but, but can I just say, all of these, these things are things that uh, stop at the grave. You can't, you can't take them past the grave. These, these are all things that are finite. That means that the hope that they have is finite. There's an end to hope. Um, and, and with Christ, when we're born again, uh, we, we're born again into a living hope. That means that hope is alive. The reason our hope is alive is because our hope is in Christ. And when Christ went to the grave, he didn't stay in the grave. He rose. He rose after three days. Uh, and if our hope is in him, that means that our hope didn't stay in the grave. That means our hope goes past the grave. That means that our hope is alive. It means that our hope is eternal. And I, can I just tell you that there are people around you who think they have their hope in a future. Uh, you might have colleagues, you might have friends, you might have family, and they've put their hope in things that are finite. Or maybe they've put their things in, uh, they've put their hope in things that are not even trustworthy, right? Who knows that our God is faithful? Like Inton says, and Paul writes to Timothy, our God is faithful. Even if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny who he is. God is faithful. And if our hope is in him, it's eternal, it's alive, and it's, it's actually a hope that this world needs. Because if my hope is in Christ, and if my hope is alive, and if my hope is eternal, it means that I can lose my job tomorrow and not lose hope because my hope is in Christ. It means that I can lose all of my money tomorrow and not lose hope because all of my hope is in Christ. It means that my house can burn down tomorrow. I hope it doesn't, but it, if, it, if it would, I wouldn't lose hope because my hope is in Christ. I, I can lose family and friends tomorrow. I can lose pivotal relationships to me now and not lose hope because my hope is not in my relationships. My hope is in Christ. And He's alive. He's eternal. His hope is so strong. It's so much more. It's a certainty. Man, I'm so glad that He died for us. It's incredible. Um, the second thing that we receive or that we're born into is an inheritance. So like, like natural birth, actually, when you're born into a family, there's an, an inheritance attached to it. Like I know that when my parents die, when my parents uh, die, that their wealth and their possessions will be split between me and my brother because we're born into this family. So that means that whatever they've built up um, belongs to us in some sort of way as well. And you know that kids act like this, right? If, if, for, for the parents around here, the kids pretend like everything you own is theirs anyway. <laughs> and that's actually what God is inviting us to as well, that He has His possessions, He has a kingdom, and we can partake in it. Um, uh, <laughs> Um, some uh, versions describe the inheritance that we de describe here as incorruptible, an incorruptible inheritance. And um, 
a couple of years ago, I was at work um, building a project. I was um, I was I had to do some calculations, so I built a programming tool to do all the analysis for me uh, with a, a push of the button. I just had to import data, and then the, the results would come out. So it was actually a big program that that I built, and I spent like a week on it. And then I came to work on a morning, tried to open it, and it said, file is corrupt, can't open it. And it was such a bummer. And I know that maybe Medin, my colleague, knows that pain of that file that's corrupt, uh, and you can't open it, and you have to... The file is still there. You know, it still takes up space on the disk, um, but you can't use it. You can't use it for what you've purposed it for. Um, And the Bible actually says that this inheritance that we have... It's incorruptible. It won't lose its purpose. There's nothing that we can't do to this inheritance that makes it go away. Um, This inheritance can't be perished. It doesn't perish. It doesn't spoil. It doesn't fade. In the Old Testament, God makes a promise to to Israel in Joshua 11 uh, that that they will be in in a place, they will be in a land where they can live in unity with Him. They can live in His presence. They can live in peace. And the same promise that God made in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, is is true today. That God promises us for a place where we can live in unity with Him, in His presence, where we can share in His glory. This is the inheritance. It's eternal. That's the place where we're going. That's the place that we can share in with God, uh, with Jesus. Um, Is a place in eternity, in His presence. Paul actually calls us fellow heirs. In Christ, that means that we inherit the same place as He did. And I want to end with this in in that verse in in one Peter five, or one Peter one. Sorry, one Peter one. The end of the the scripture after He talked about you know your birth into a living hope, uh, into an inheritance. He says the inheritance is kept in heaven with you. You, you are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation. So until that last salvation, that's what it means. Until that last salvation, God says you're shielded. He says, I got your back. I'll protect you. You're falling under my protection. I'm shielding you. You can't be harmed. So I want to challenge you today. If you're, if you're keeping up your defense system yourself, God actually promises you that He's shielding you until the last moment of salvation. There's a certainty in God. There's a certainty in uh, following Christ. And it's a completely different certainty from from the world. But our certainty is that we're not going to lose this salvation if we hold on to Christ. You know, we might make mistakes. But if we come back to God and work out our salvation with Him, And not because we earn it, but because he wants to give it to us. He actually says, I'm shielding you. I'm protecting you. You don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to do this alone. You can do this with me. Maybe, can we all close our eyes right now? Maybe you're hearing and and you're saying, you know, that picture of God um, that you just painted, of a God who's not angry, 
of a God who loves me, of a God who wants me to know him and who knows me. That's a picture I've, I've actually never heard before. Or I don't, I don't really know him that well. Um, then I want to invite you into that relationship today. And maybe you're here and you know, you're past that point. You've accepted Christ before. And, and, and you know that you're justified. You know that your sin is taken away. But you walked away from him. I want to invite you back. And give you the opportunity to recommit and come back to him. And maybe you're here and you're just not certain. Like you say, Louis, you're talking about being certain, talking about having a certain hope and a steadfast and a strong hope. But I'm not certain where I'm going with my life, but certainly not after I'm done. And I want to give you that certainty today. So if, if you're one of those three people saying, I want to come back or I want to know him, or I want to be sure. Could I just ask you to raise your hand? To wave at me and say, hey, that's me. I want to be sure. I want to be certain. Or I want to know him. this prayer together thank you God for who you are and what you've done for me I want to turn away from my past and follow you into the future thank you for giving me a hope thank you for giving me a future and thank you for giving me certainty Holy Spirit fill me I promise to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, uh, could you come forward after the service? We'd love to take a moment to spend some time with you and pray for you, and that would be wonderful. Uh, for now, let's all stand. Uh, we're going to sing a, sing a song of worship. Bedankt voor het luisteren naar onze podcast. We zien je graag terug in een van onze diensten. Kijk op onze website voor tijden en locaties.